but I do think the film does a disservice to the white folk here. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on, one of you nuts has got any guts. What's but a smile on that face? You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you, by what right? Because I have a right to be here. I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let the healing begin. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle. Part of the fil- following films network. Speaking of the following films network, we have Mike from War Machine vs. Warhorse to talk about Get Out this week. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me back after... Uh protesting your award show on your your, your last episode <laughs> <laughs> after all your constant complaints i just I think next time i'm gonna be like brando and i'm gonna send a fake native american like an actor as a native american in my stead to, to do the co-hosting duties it's a classy move it's your protest move uh, yes. classy is not what i would stop go the pipeline sure. and not show up for the award show you <laughs> cover all those faces <laughs> So this week we're doing a movie that has, of course, nothing to do with our previous episode because we did our award show. But for me, Get Out was definitely the the big release of the week. But before we get into that, uh, anything coming out on War Machine versus Warhorse that you want to pump up here? Yeah, I will be, I guess, uh, one of the few, if not the only movie podcast that's not covering Get Out. Uh, I will be talking about Clyde, which you attempted to cover last April, I believe. October. Last October, I think. One of its many release dates that <laughs> yes. it, it missed. So this uh, this certainly looked like a troubled production and had the, uh, the smell of shit uh, all around it. Uh, whereas Get Out is, I believe, still at 100% Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I was very excited about it. Uh, not so much for Collide, but uh, I am going to Ireland for a week, and I didn't think I'd be able to put together for an episode for Get Out. Also, I just couldn't come up with a concept because my show has to have the two older films. And for the, I mean, the two easiest once for this would be guess who's coming to dinner and the stepford wives and for me that was a little a little too on the nose especially not having seen get out if i was going to pre-record for it so for collide uh which uh i did actually like so maybe you should give it a shot it'll be playing for a week maybe six <laughs> days at your theater maybe whereas get out will be very successful i'm assuming uh we did uh, two classics we did taxi driver versus drive and the theme was the uh, kind of somewhat problematic thing that we see in these type of films uh, with these, I guess, uh, avenging sociopaths of saving a girl, uh, a damsel in distress. So we had on uh, Margot from Book Versus Movie, uh, who's a, a great guest, to come on and give us the sort of female point of view on these very hyper-masculine films. And it was a, it was a fun discussion. And surprisingly, Clyde was not bad. I'm not saying it's Taxi Driver or Drive. That's doing it a disservice. I was going to say, was... like, that's a lot to live up to there. <laughs> right. Um, and, and, you know, maybe I think when we get into Get Out, uh, we'll see the expectations can kind of, I think, play a part in that. Because I don't know, even on the podcast, I'm like, do I, am I being too positive to collide? Because I just thought it was going to be god awful. But I did have a legitimate fun time with it. It's a fun movie. It's not a not a new classic. But yeah, check out that episode if you want to hear somebody not talk about Get Out. Like, uh, <laughs> like the sheep here, Dave, That's being right. one, of, one of thousands talking about Get Out. <laughs> Absolutely. So speaking of Get Out, uh, you kind of, I think you tipped your hand a little bit. You're saying like expectations played in. So maybe this didn't quite live up to those expectations for you. It's unfair. Um, 
you know, as I, I talked about a little bit, uh, maybe kind of abrasively on your award show, you know, Moonlight maybe. has become, I, maybe, I don't know, some people dug it, I guess, uh, but people like assholes on the internet. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy to play the, the lovable scamp, I guess. Play. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> be, live, no. Um, there you go. True method acting there. That's. <laughs> well, what I keep seeing is like, you know, like with the Oscars, it's like a vote for Moonlight is like a vote against Trump, which uh, obviously, <laughs> Jesus. you know, when Moonlight was being not only just the concept of it, but when it was being filmed, when it was uh, being prepared to be released, uh, we all believed Hillary Clinton uh, would win. And now we're in this nightmare uh, scenario. <laughs> right. Uh, so there's sort of this reactionary commentary, which I think is unfair to Moonlight. I think we'll look at it much differently five years from now. Same with La La Land, which is just like the very unhip white people movie <laughs> and get out. You know, I'm, I've got rotten tomatoes up here and I think it, it yeah, it's at a hundred percent. Uh, you know, even the reviews, which don't even sound like they enjoyed, uh, this film as entertainment is saying is a horror film for the age of Trump. And the very next line is, uh, subversively funny, if not very original. Now that's not, I mean, that's it's, halfway, but I mean, yeah. then you have, you have hmm. to throw in a jab there saying like, well, it's not original, but this is the movie for the age of Trump. That's from, uh, the Boston Herald. I think those type of expectations are unfair. This, this is a pure genre film. I had a lot of fun with it and I thought it was really entertaining. I think it's really impressive, uh, from Jordan Peele. First time director. A comedian too. Film. Uh, doing a, I mean, straight up horror movie. And I mean, there are funny, funny elements to it because it is satire. Um, but no, I don't think there was another one that was being passed around Twitter, retweeted, uh, from flavor wire that called this film, uh, an earthquake. And <laughs> that's where that. I'm like, okay, all right. Uh, simmer down. Somebody's know, trying to us. get clicks. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, because I, I, I agree with, I guess the Boston Herald, it's not an original film because it is playing off of, you know, I mentioned Stepford wives, uh, if you've seen a film uh, called The Skeleton Key, uh, it's got mm. sort of a similar mechanism there. Um, but that's okay. Horror films always play with those tropes and sort of comment on previous uh, exercises in the genre. And I think this one's doing that as well. Um, it's just really well done. It's not. I don't. I don't think it's trying to be an earthquake of a no. film. I think it's trying to be a very good horror film, and I think it succeeds at that. Yeah, I mean, I agree, I'd agree with that. I think this is a very good horror film. I I think. You know, I I run the risk sometimes, and I guess I don't really care of uh, <laughs> of insulting fans of the horror genre because I will say things like, usually horror movies aren't that good. You know, they they kind of have their place and they're entertaining, and it's rare that we get horror movies that kind of transcend that. But I do think this is one of those horror movies that kind of transcends the genre a little bit. I think it has, I mean, it does like the whole like in the age of Trump is so loaded because I'm sure by the time when this was being written, I'm pretty sure Trump wasn't the president. I don't think it was meaning to to take jabs at at like conservative parties or anything like that. It's not that kind of movie, but it does have a lot of interesting things to say about kind of the commodification of black bodies and black talent by white people. Like there's a, there's a whole sequence uh, when our main character goes to essentially like an outdoor, like a garden party, um, which is kind of a horrifying and funny sequence at the same time. And I think what, uh, excuse me, um, what the, what the writer director does really well here is that there are a lot of moments where this movie could be really on the nose. There's a there's a scene near the beginning of the film where they get pulled over by a police officer, and that's in the trailer, so you kind of know that's coming. And after the police officer leaves, there is ample opportunity for 
our characters have this discussion like, well, if I had said what you said to him because I'm because I'm a black guy and you're a white girl, it would have been really bad for everyone involved. And I love that they just kind of let that uncomfortability sit. There's not a moment where it's like, let me explain to you, the audience, what's going on with race in America. I think they do a good job of just kind of letting those moments happen and letting them lie. Well, I think because your your lead character here, uh, for the most part, does not react. Uh, And that's that's the best part of the film. It's also the worst part of the film for Mm -hmm. me. Not in his reaction, because I think that's that's more terrifying that this is something that he's so accustomed to that he's right. just, this is just how the world operates. Like he, you know, he, he does say to his girlfriend, it's something he tries to make a joke out of it. Like that was, you know, so hot to see you like stick out from here. So like right. so sexy, that sort of thing. But you're right. They don't get into a big speech about it. Um, my, I think my main issue with the film is strange from the comedian is when they actually try to be upfront with the comedy. Mm-hmm. When they stray a bit from the satire, you have, uh, the, oh, the TSA, of, the, the TSA yeah, agent, yeah, sure. yeah the, uh, Rod, I believe is the character's name. Yeah. And a lot of those sequences, uh, like he, he's a very one note character. You know, he's the guy saying, don't go into the haunted house. Don't right. go, you know, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> but that's also the, the drum that he keeps banging throughout the film. And at a certain point you don't need it anymore because we already seen creepy shit in this house. And it's like, yeah, that guy was right. He was right. Uh, don't go in there. You're correct. Yes. I honestly wish that he was dropped out because I think it also removes a little bit of the tension when you're cutting to him investigating what's happened to his friend. Mm-hmm. I, I wish that it was just whenever there were phone calls with him and that was it. I, I wanted to stay with the the uh, Chris and Rose characters and any interactions they have with him. That's the only time the outside world gets brought back into it because yeah. it's like this safety net that's reassuring the audience like uh, this will turn out OK. And yeah, I, to- I think that's a sin in horror movies. I totally agree with you, actually. We'll talk about it in spoilers, but I wanted a different ending for this movie than we got. Uh, but, but we'll get into that. I, I found I found Rod's character entertaining, but you're right. It, it did get repetitive. I found myself wondering, especially as I was leaving the theater. Theater was pretty full where I was and uh, mostly teenagers. Not a big surprise. It's a big oh, horror I've release. I've got something for this. OK. And as they were leaving, all I kept hearing was, well, that wasn't very scary. Because it's not really – it's not that kind of horror movie. There's a bit of gore in the third act, uh, but kind of everything up until then is much more in the realm of thriller or psychological horror. So I wonder if this will really grab hold of an audience. My audience, it did not. Uh, I saw it at 11 a.m. this morning, uh, squeezing it in around our uh, – That other... is dedication to the show, man. Well, On the way out of the films. country. That's Sure, sure. Um True Bromance Film Podcast. I was supposed to talk about this last night, and they were unable to, so I, I moved it to seeing it this morning, uh, where there was about eight people in the theater for the uh, two of them, uh, senior citizen women, who when they came in didn't know which theater they were in, and so I was, <laughs> I was willing to stand up because I was sitting closest to the the exit there, and uh, I was like, I'm going to tell these these women this is get out, and I then I was I was in my own head as far as like, well, I have to then make this a very long sentence because I can't just say. <laughs> This is get out. Get out. Yeah. Um, but shockingly enough, you know, when they, they were like, oh, good, we're in the right theater. I was like, really? Well, that's that's interesting. I want the, what their take's going to be. Then they proceeded to both fall down the stairs like a, a terrible late night commercial or I guess early morning. This Life would be alert. Like, like this. CBS Sunday morning commercial and fell down. And I, I get up to help them get into their seats. They don't know which seat they're in because it's assigned seating because it's in the biggest like RPX theater. 
And uh, I stayed behind to be a total creeper and let them pass down the steps and then followed them, even though I was close to the door because I wanted to overhear what did these two old white ladies think of this movie? And they despise every bit of it. I kept really? hearing that was the worst thing I've ever seen. That Did was they awful. see themselves too much in the movie? In the <laughs> I, just heard, I, I just got the impression they must just see whatever the Bigner releases like every Friday morning. Right. That's their thing. But yeah, I, I was like, go see Clyde. It's got Anthony Hopkins in it and Ben Kingsley. You know, You'll love it. Been, it would have been hot for you. You would have <laughs> ate that up. <laughs> um yeah, uh, to your point on the teenagers, though, uh, one of the things I really didn't like about the movie, it's not a fault of the film or what uh, was accomplished here, is the, uh, the trailer gives away nearly everything. I mean, there there's some yeah. there's there's one twist in particular that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just waiting for that because I remember one shot in the trailer. And I think the trailer was trying to sell all of that as dream sequences. Right. Uh, but not so much. Uh, it goes deep into the third act. I, I didn't like that. You know, I, I found myself having that thought in the first act of the movie when they first show up at the house. And it's, you know, you get this feeling of dread, this kind of creepy feeling. But I found myself wondering, OK, would I be feeling this if like if I hadn't seen the trailer, if I didn't know this was a horror movie, if I didn't know the title, if I just walked into this, would this be creepy? Or am I on edge because I know some shit is about to go down? Like, yeah, and I think that uh, that's probably the way the film was originally intended was to have it escalate in that way. And um, stuff does move pretty fast in this film. I I do. <laughs> this is you know I'm trying to avoid any more controversial statements after award show, but I do think the film don't be a racist, a, Mike. Does <laughs> a disservice to the white folk here in the sense that. <laughs> That'll go at the top of the episode for well, sure. This movie does a disservice to the white folk. Hmm. I'll say, okay, they're they're because of the way um, I guess they they use. And I mean, it's in the trailer. The way there's there's going to be some sort of mind control element in play here. Mm-hmm. In a way, it absolves them of how truly horrific they are because they're somehow outside of the norm. You know, these are not just normal suburban white people who don't even realize they're racist. They, they're like master villains out of the justice league that I I didn't, I didn't Mm. expect that out of the film. I thought we would see things gradually build as far as they think that they're totally in the right or they're justified in some way. And at a certain point in the film, you might as well just put a mustache on them and they, they know they're doing like extremely sadistic shit. And I didn't expect, I, I think, in a way, it lets the white folk off the hook. Mm. And I really didn't expect that out of this film. I could see that. The other thing I found really interesting about it is that they made, you know, the whole hypnosis section is that they made a psychiatrist, like someone trained in psychiatry as the person doing this, which I found really interesting from a cultural perspective, because there's this really, really long history of black people being taken advantage of by the mental health industry and having, you know, these horrible experiments done on them. And so there's this natural distrust of the mental health field in the black community. So I thought that was actually kind of a, a neat little thing to put in there that, that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily notice if you don't know that history. But I thought that would, that was kind of cool to kind of, you know, put that little jab in there, you know, have someone in the mental health field be, you know, as you said, a mustache twirling villain. It just made me get increasingly angry with you as I was saying there that you (laughs) skipped covering split on your show but we're gonna go into this nonsense mind control (laughs) sci-fi movie (laughs) this is not offensive to your field at all it was more sci-fi than i expected actually like you know that that twist that you're talking about that makes it much more of a science fiction movie i was like oh that's 
that's not where I thought this was going at all when I walked into the movie. I didn't dislike it. Uh, and I definitely did think of the Stepford Wives a lot when I was watching this movie, like, especially that garden party sequence. I was like, oh, man, I have. I feel like I've seen this before. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think in certain genres, especially like horror and science fiction, you're going to get those odes to those older movies because that's your that's your basis. And I don't I don't mind that so much. Uh, but I do think uh, that they did a really good job with this movie. It was like when I first saw the trailers, I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of exciting. This is a different looking horror movie. I don't think it's going to reach, for me, the heights of recent uh, great horror like It Follows and The Babadook. Uh, but I think this is really, really good. This is definitely in an echelon above what I expect from a major horror release, especially from Blumhouse. Um, I was really surprised to see like kind of a psychological horror from that production company because usually, you know, they're doing their standard horror stuff. Well, you, to be fair to them, uh, from what I've read, they give creative control to the writer or director like it, because they operate on the cheap. So right. it's like you make make what you want to. And I think if you give it to people who have something interesting to say as opposed to doing just another generics or branded horror film, uh, you'll you'll come out with something like Get Out, which does – it has a, a little bit more on its mind. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, I've, I've accused uh, films like Inside Out as far as being almost too simplistic, but their target audience is children. Satire is tough, too, because, I mean, in satire, yeah. you kind of you're wielding a, a sledgehammer. Really, it's it's hard to be extremely subtle. Um, I think they they side appeal here went with I'm going to make this entertaining. I'm not going to worry as much about the statements being made because. Yeah, you know, there's a body count. As you said, there's there's violence oh, yeah. and there's there's some of that stuff where they it's a popcorn thriller uh, in a way. Uh, and I also have issues with the uh, the violence, but not, you know, in the sense that I think it need to be uh, even more excessive. I think that's <laughs> I wanted I wanted more violence. Bigger, yeah. Bigger, <laughs> bolder kills, I guess. Yeah. I also really liked uh, the performance of Bradley Whitford. Here as uh, as Rose's dad, like I thought he was he was pretty great here. Yeah, I mean it's dirty dad, and it's and it's perfect considering where the movie goes. Like I really I really liked what they did with that and the way they set up that character from the conversation between our two main characters, like kind of talking about what kind of person he was and setting up the whole like I would have voted Obama for a third term joke. I thought that stuff all really worked in the the kind of arc of where that character goes is really interesting because I think. Even though you're in a horror movie and you know kind of from the beginning something's off with this guy, he's still kind of like nerdy, dorky, charming, you know, and you you want it. He's a character you want to like, even though, you know, as an audience member, like this is a mistake. No, I, I never wanted to like him, Dave. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Sort of garden parties you're hanging. You just out hate in, the but... West Wing. That's that's what this is about. <laughs> I don't hate the West Wing, but uh, yeah, I was I was more for, uh, I guess, Martin Sheen. That was Bradley Whitford. Uh, Rob Lowe would be probably bottom of that totem pole. Yes. I don't know. Always a good call. Yeah. Just what did you think of uh, this uh, kid, uh, Caleb Landry Jones, who I at first I was like, where where did they get this weird looking ginger? And apparently he was Banshee from the X-Men. So I do. Was he, I have was seen he playing the brother? Something. Was he playing? Yeah. The, yeah. yeah the didn't like him. MMA My brother. least part, least part of the least favorite part of the movie. Like, too weird looking. I, too weird looking. Like like and. Pat. And also the the way he speaks and the way he acts are very over the top. Actually, I feel like a lot of the other portrayals in this movie are relatively subtle. Like the the mom and the dad and Rose, like all those characters, like feel like real people. Whereas oh, the brother, he's a weirdo from War on Everyone. 
That's oh, that's I've just seen him in that. Yeah. He speaks with a weird like lisp and maybe that's just his voice. Yeah, I was not a fan of that character at all. Like I, he was like one of the few characters that from his introduction, I was like, I want bad things to happen to you. So I'm glad we're in a horror movie, and I'll probably get to see that. So, <laughs> that's where I stand on on Caleb, which is a perfect name for for that actor. <laughs> Now we're just picking on the actor. Yeah. His character's name was Jeremy. We don't have to wish ill will on Whatever, the actor, Caleb. Caleb. <laughs> Goodness. All right. I feel like we should go to spoilers so we can kind of talk about the ending and talk about this movie as a whole instead of, like, everything leading up to that third act. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. Not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. So I kind of want to start with the ending. So you brought up the character of Rod, who is the constant comic relief, and he's mm-hmm. like doing his own investigation. And he essentially comes to the rescue at the end of the film. And basically, to kind of set the scene, you know, there's kind of dead bodies everywhere. The only one still who's probably going to survive this is a black man. And then the cops show up. And I was like, wouldn't this be fucked up if this movie ended with our main character, like being arrested for this and thrown into jail. Like, even though he's really not at fault, he was defending himself. He was trying to escape. And I thought like, what an interesting kind of commentary mm-hmm. on what's going on in the country right now. But instead it's the TSA officer and he comes and like grabs him the car. It's like, I told you not to go here and drives off. And I was just like really disappointed with that. Cause I thought like, what a great opportunity for a really twisted end to this story. Uh, hmm. What did you think of that? ending? I really liked, I really liked the ending. I, I felt like uh, the TSA character here talks too much yet again. Um, I would have ended it with him getting out of the car and then maybe right. on Allison Williams' face because – I kept thinking, I, I think like, why are we talking? She's still alive and yeah. there's a gun maybe within reach because he just walks away. Drive away, well, guys. <laughs> I, I think she just – she's really impressive um, with her you know, her response because it's just holding on her face. She's pretty much – you know, her, her life is ending and she needs immediate medical attention having been shot in the gut. And uh, I do believe uh, our, our hero, Chris, here uh, had his hands around her throat when the cops show up. So, yeah, like you, I'm expecting like, oh, he's going to be shot immediately right. because this looks really bad. You have dead bodies everywhere and he's strangling a woman who's bleeding from her – so I was yeah. happy. I was happy that it sort of subverts it, uh, that the you know red and blue lights um, end up being a, a saving moment here. Mainly, I guess what I liked the ending is because I liked that the the f- fucking psychopath white girl here, uh, <laughs> who is bringing um, black men and women, uh, which is another reveal in the film, mm-hmm. to. Um, uh, be just pure bodies for her family, I guess, to live forever. Uh, it has the expectation because I'm white. Uh, if I see a cop, then I'm going to be saved. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's only because the, the film touches on race so often. That would be an unfair statement if it was out of context, because, uh, as I said, she's being strangled and was shot. So probably anyone thinks if they see red and blue lights, you should oh, save shit. me yeah. in this moment. Maybe. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I liked it. I felt like the film, you know, I, I didn't knock it for relieving the tension with Rod far too often. Mm-hmm. Um, my issues deal more with the uh, the sort of murder house that he goes through because I felt like this was really contrived. The various kills and a lot of in a lot of horror films, they're contrived. You know, one of my favorites is Your Next, 
which mm-hmm. is incredibly contrived. I mean, it's Home Alone. It's got traps. So, I mean, you have to count on the the villains, the killers walking in this direction and setting off trap. You know, it's, it's always one-to-one. Um, you're seeing a guy who, I mean, there's absolute savagery on display as far as, like, he is he's aiming to kill because you, you never know if they're going to speak something in your ear and you're going to mm-hmm. become like a zombie again. But I so feel like he does if, make a teacup into a weapon, which is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I did feel like, okay, um, he lets the brother, he doesn't bash the brother's head in. So we get one more moment where the brother can have his little MMA thing. You have the daughter, his girlfriend, played by Allison Williams, who doesn't hear any of this going on in the house because she's got earbuds in, but somehow hears some good car. earbuds, man. <laughs> well, she hears a car stop in the driveway right. on this huge house, and that's when she grabs a rifle. So I'm, I did feel like you could have planned out the death sequences a little bit better, and mm-hmm. that they're fun to watch. I mean, you're you're wanting to see blood spilled from these people, right? Um, but yeah, maybe it's because I just watched Drive. I wanted to see him crush someone's head in with his boot. And I'm like, you know, Nicholas winning Refn does not shy away from. Yeah. See this, it happened, but it kind of happens off screen. You know, uh, it's and like I'm kind of behind the wall. He's not, uh, he's not titillated by it. Like Refn. He doesn't find that sexy to see someone's face caved in. So, yeah, but I wanted to, I think you, at this point, the audience wants it too. Yeah. I mean, this is horrific. So yeah, show it. Show the, let me see that ginger get his face stomped in. <laughs> Why do you hate I Caleb this, so much? I give this movie a C minus <laughs> just for that because they avoid showing us that. Mike, who doesn't give scores to movies ever, all of a sudden is breaking out the letter grade like we're on in-session film. Come on Six now. out of 15. <laughs> but you brought up Rose, and I actually thought Allison Williams' performance here was pretty impressive. I, I really like this performance. Like, the the kind of moment where it's revealed who she is, like, on the – not so much with the with the pictures, but kind of on the staircase where she finally pulls out the keys – and that kind of change in her demeanor I thought was really impressive. And there's one particular shot, like you mentioned, she has her earbuds in and, you know, a little a little cheesy. She's looking up like NCAA prospects. Uh, but That's satire, I guess. But, but I, yeah. I also thought in this world, I'm like, didn't you make a big point that your boyfriend has no family? Yeah. And so I, that's also – so now you're going to take people who are, she's, are like she's famous ballsy, across man. the country. <laughs> she's gotten too confident. But I do, right, like, sure. I do like that the shot behind her shows all the pictures – of the people she's been with as if she's like a serial killer and she's taking these little mementos from him. And I thought like that was one of the creepiest shots, the creepiest moments in the film. And I thought, you know, some of that is due to the direction, but I think also her performance in this movie is just really impressive. I think that's where I, I prefer Stepford wives using this because, you know, there's a, there's, I guess, dual horror there where in that film and spoiler alert, you know, at this point, if you don't really know, but I mean, since we're making these comparisons to get out, there's, there's a, a, not a mind control element, but there is that same replacement thing. But in that film, you know, the men in a way are condemning themselves to a a life of boredom because they they want their wives to be one thing, which is sex objects. And sure, that's probably good for, and I don't know, depending on, you know, if you're on true romance, that's probably good for six years. I think for most people, maybe six months and right. then they get bored. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you think about the film, you think like, oh, wow, like, what is the, if this succeeds, what are they really doing to themselves? They'll probably never be satisfied. Right. Here, yet again, I feel like it lets the white people off the hook because you have that sort of body exchange element where uh, they're not really showing how, you know, this appropriation of black culture ever can really do harm to them as well. And Stepford Wives does kind of challenge the mm. men to really think, 
here it's it's it, it, as we said it's a little too sci-fi where it's like i just needed a body i'm i'm old i need a new body and i i don't find that as interesting as what they do in step for wives i don't know i i kind of disagree with the statement about like you know the idea of appropriating black culture in this film should harm the white people i think that's kind of a statement is that the appropriation of culture doesn't tend to harm the person who's doing the appropriating but you if know? you continue that train of thought in the sci-fi world where they are now black people what like it could be interesting to see a scene where they actually have to live like they are I putting think like themselves in that eight or hole. nine generations down the line. It would be really interesting to see. So you're saying Allison Williams is not a very forward thinking no. uh, serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. She's just going for uh, apparently uh, basketball and football stars. That's. That's that's next on the list. So <laughs> I'm guessing, uh, you know, if she was not got here, uh, that was not going to go well. I don't I don't know. There's a lot of in, press I, involved in NCAA I live prospects. In Lexington, Kentucky. So if one of the UK star Ooh. basketball players went missing, you, you would suddenly have a lot of white folk who maybe Man, you know, that group chat you've slightly, got me on. It would be blowing up. That's <laughs> you would see a lot of uh, racists uh, or, or Trump voters in Kentucky suddenly. Taking, out. Uh, taking up arms for black people all of a sudden. Hey, don't mess with their UK basketball. And so, yeah, I thought that was, as you said, a little on the nose. And then I, I was, it was in my head too much. Where I'm like, that wouldn't work. What yeah, are you doing? Exactly. I had that thought too. Like I kind of rolled my eyes at that. That was actually, I think the first moment in, in the movie that kind of took me out of it. Um, and it was, I felt like it was the rest of the movie. I was really happy that it wasn't on the nose and that it was kind of playing with these tropes and taking a look at race in an interesting way in a different genre than we usually get until that moment. And I was like, oh, we got to get away from this and and everybody needs to die because we need to get back into into the horror part of this film. Could you do a, a really uh, like sort of black exploitation sequel to this where it's Rod and a bunch of. TSA commandos uh, going through and tracking down all the, uh, the the people who have been involved because it, it's I like where your head's family. at. I like where your head's it at. It would be fun. I mean, yeah. it would be, be trashy, but uh, I would like to see it. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen because that's kind of a hard sell. And it's very narrow. Especially in but... Trump's America. <laughs> Could you imagine the Twitter uproar? <laughs> but I, I would like watch it. that. I think that would be fun. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, uh, yeah, again, I'm going to come off as racist. Uh, the only one that could get that movie made is a white guy, and that's Tarantino. That's he's for whatever reason Ooh. he's the only one that can. <laughs> yeah, he's the only one that can get away with outright having like a film that's like kill Whitey. I right. think. Well, he already made Django Unchained, and that's right. not a very yeah. good movie. So, but everybody let's liked get it. Someone else, like, yeah, well, they're, they're wrong. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the really unfortunate part. Like to get a movie made with a budget that pushes boundaries it's hard to bring in a filmmaker who's a person of color like you kind of have to have a white guy to lead that charge but i don't think that really works or makes sense for that kind of movie that's unfortunate i'm glad you added for that kind of movie <laughs> that doesn't really make sense or work I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a whoa. <laughs> it doesn't make sense in the current hollywood structure how about that <laughs> You better be glad I'm not editing. Oh. If you were on my show, I would just cut it off there and be like, thanks, Dave, for appearing on the program. I don't know what that last statement was about. Thanks. Dave will never return. Yeah, <laughs> this is not a white power podcast, so you cannot come back. <laughs> All right. Uh, any any last thoughts or last words on Get Out? I think I think we both we both enjoyed it. Like it's it's 
especially like for me, it's my favorite movie of 2017 so far, um, which isn't saying, of course, a lot because there haven't been that many great releases. But I, I liked it more than I like John Wick 2. Uh, I liked it more than I like Split. Those are the other two movies that I liked this year so far. So I had a good time with it. And I think it's worth seeing. I hope I hope it does find an audience. I hope it's not one of those that gets like kind of bad word of mouth from the teenage audience, because that's really the bread and butter of these horror movies is the younger audience. So I hope it finds you know, a good audience. I don't want it to be another, you know, it got a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes and, you know, nobody saw it like last year with like, what was that? The, the edge of 17 was like, got like a 95%, but like, no one, like you and me saw it, but no one else saw it. Also, I, I think coming out it. like Thanksgiving weekend, probably a mistake, probably for a smaller film. Usually nature, a mistake. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty good. That's, that's, that's my thought on it. That's my, my hot take. It's I, no Collide, but it's pretty good. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't want to say it, but I really, really liked Clyde. <laughs> Best movie of 2017 so far. <laughs> All right. Uh, so if you want to attack Mike about that, find him on Twitter at War Machine Horse. And if you want to, if you have extra money for some reason, you should donate to his Patreon, which is patreon.com slash War Machine Horse. Yeah, if you've got a you know a couple bucks, uh, I'll do Get Out. I'll do uh, Guess Who's Coming Dinner. Step for what's? I'll try to at least. Um, you know, I think there there will probably be a lot of podcasts that make that connection. So there's probably a lot of ones that already covered it. But uh, I am always willing to take money. I don't care if I'm a repeat. <laughs> I don't care if I'm boring. As long as I'm being <laughs> as long paid. As I'm getting paid. That's yeah. it. Perfect. All right. Uh, so we are going to take a break and then we'll come back with Brit uh, for Fangirl Fixation. We'll talk about the movies coming out this week and we're taking a look at a previous Oscar winner since we just did our award show and Brit will finally watch West Side Story. This is Chris Maynard. I'm host of the following films podcast. Every week I discuss a current release with one of the creative forces behind the film. Whether it's Giles Nutkins talking hell or high water, Leah Thompson discussing her work on Trouble with the Truth, or Jeremy Sandy chatting about his work on Deep Water Horizon. You can find our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place you find podcasts. Even better yet, you can go to followingfilms.com, check out our latest episode, get some film news, reviews, and all sorts of goodness. Uh, that was my son, Jacob. He says hello, and he really wants you to check out the show. All right, everybody, it's time for Fangirl Fixation with Britt. Say hello, Britt. Mm. Yes? No? Just no. going to groan? All yeah. Right, cool. Um, so just to start out, I want to tell people that in case there's some weird thing with sound quality, we're recording in a different place. You might hear wheezing dogs in the background. You know, Dog is a singular one. Well, the other dog is on the other side of the couch, so... And they can be loud. But... Dave is humoring me by letting me stay underneath my electric blanket. Yes. Well, it's very late. Britt is staying up well past her bedtime to do this, so I am more than willing to make concessions. Um, so before we jump into, you know, our uh, movie education for you um, or what's coming out next week, did you want to talk about your opinions on Get Out or your opinions on the Oscars, which we just finished watching? Well, I mean, I was sort of watching the Oscars. I was mostly you were Brian working. Stoney. I was watching. Yeah. And you were like, "What did they say?" And I was like, "This." Oh, that was kind yeah. of the... yeah, yeah. That was, that was basically <laughs> the extent of that. Yeah, um, yeah. You kind of get distracted when you iron your own finger. You um, do have a gift when it comes to like burning yourself and stabbing yourself. Yeah. Like I would yeah. be worried if I didn't know like the inherent clumsiness. In you? Like, I would think this was self-harm. Like, <laughs> like, you're just being really creative. Like, no, no, I didn't use a knife. I used an iron, obviously, because uh, costuming. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, Oscars. Like get Out or Oscars. Um. Well, honestly, uh, this will probably make Dave very upset. I don't 
care about the Oscars. Yeah, I know you don't. Oh, okay. I know you don't. But I was asking your opinion because it's going to be very different from my opinion because. Well, know, I mean, I don't. Movies. And I mean, I mean, I hate Jimmy Kimmel. So yeah, Jimmy Kimmel's pretty rough to watch. Um, but you liked La La Land. La La Land won a bunch of awards. Yes, I liked La La Land. <laughs> <laughs> What did you think of the whole, like, uh, the thing at the end, the La La Land one, Psych, Moonlight one? Um, so, so that partially made me, like, really, really happy because I wanted to see more films about race. Mm-hmm. Um, and sexuality, yeah, and, too. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it was, because that was... Not just a bunch of white people talking about jazz. Yeah, That's, yeah, because... Uh, well, I've I already mean, ordered Moonlight on Blu-ray, so you'll get to see it okay. very soon. So that was, that was the first thing, is, like, I kept hearing Moonlight, and then I was thinking of another movie for some reason that's mm-hmm. actually older. Oh, okay. Um, that's why I was very confused, and I'm like, what? What is this movie? Uh, and then I got excited when Dave told me what it was about, and I want to watch it now, but... Um, yeah, it was my favorite movie this year, so I'm really happy. Yeah, I was I was getting upset that a lot of the a lot of the the trophies uh, trophies Oscars whatever they are trophies. Well, yeah, but they, they were still they were still going to <laughs> like white films. Like yeah, just a bunch of fucking white, especially people. When, except for Viola Davis. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Right, but still, that was a crock of shit that she got it for supporting actress. Well, that's that's the production company's fault. No, they make I'm, that decision. Yeah, yeah, so. I know. I'm just saying. You can pin the Oscars on a lot of things, um, but not that. Yeah, I just feel like this was the first year where there was a lot of films that weren't about white people, mm-hmm. and they were still getting passed up. It's yeah. like, let me let me find the one movie in this category that's about a white girl singing. Okay, <laughs> yeah, exactly. there we go. <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely nice. I mean, I think it's... It's this weird. It's this weird argument, right? Like you want to reward the best picture. You don't want politics to really come into it. But right. it is like when we look back at this, I think in like a decade, we're going to be like, "That's really awesome that a movie about a gay black boy right. won an Academy Award for Best right, Picture." Right. Exactly. That's, like if you would have told me that ten years ago, I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, sure, that'll happen. No the, way." I and I like. I mean, not to say that La La Land wasn't great. I yeah, really was. enjoyed it. But I think this is one of those times where it was winning awards because it was hitting people's escapism. Not only escapism, but remember that these are these things are voted on by members of the Academy who are who are involved in movies, right? And this movie was like celebrating Hollywood. It was basically a love letter to Hollywood. It was. So, of course, it's going to win a lot of awards. I mean, same thing happened with The Artist, where it's a movie about old Hollywood, so it wins a bunch of awards. You know? Oh, right. I forgot about that. Which is not to say that La La Land isn't good. I think it's really good. I really enjoyed it. Oh, we know. But, you went like two or three times. Yeah. But it's like, it's, you know, it's something that's kind of, it's nice that a relatively big budget musical actually got made. An original one that wasn't based on something on Broadway. Like, yeah. that's amazing. And wasn't animated. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But but I do think Moonlight deserved it. So I'm real happy. Um, anything else about the Oscars? Um... No. No? Anything about Get Out, which you just recently saw? Which Mike and I just talked about on the first part of this episode. What did you think? I really enjoyed it. um, Mostly because it's a psychological thriller, which you know I like. Um, And also, we talked about this, like, after we saw it. But I liked the subtlety of, like, not ever actually coming out and saying, oh, it's because he's black. Mm -hmm. Which I think is on par for society. (laughs) Of, like, it'll always be like, well, you know. Right, and especially all the scenes like with... like sorry no I was just, no I was just thinking like because it's like it's like that pause like not saying it makes you not a racist yeah yeah exactly but especially all the scenes with him like he's not gonna say it. 
because he knows what it is to be black in America. Right. So he just kind of gives you a knowing look as the audience. Like, do you get it? You know? So, yeah, I, I agree. I like this. And I never thought I would say, you know, I, li- I really like the subtlety of this horror movie. You know, right. But there yeah. you are. There yeah. you have it. So, especially from a comedic director, like from Key and Peele, like, this is not what I expected. And I, and I like the subtlety also in, like, like going back you have to like go back and think about the movie once you get to the end right like we were talking about how um the scene where she's fixing her hair mm-hmm. right like like right. that's that's is a very like it's purposeful mm-hmm. but you don't find out why until the end of the movie yep but it all comes together i right. do think they did and the script is really good they did a really good job of tying everything together it, it was one of those things that like once we were done watching it i wanted to watch it again so i could find all the things that i missed the first time yeah and that's that's a sign of a really well crafted movie. The one of my favorite slash uh, not favorite moments of us seeing this movie was as we were walking out. There were these like like the teenagers, yeah, teenagers, like sixteen, seventeen year old group right. of white girls, and the response right. was. That wasn't scary at all. Like, yeah, because you're a white girl in America. Right. Nothing's all, scary. Yeah, and, <laughs> and all I could think was like, yeah, because you're not a black man. <laughs> like, right. yeah. And like, I shouldn't say there's nothing scary for white girls. Definitely scarier than being a white boy, for sure. But, that should be a life lesson. Don't be a psychopath eating cereal. All right, that's, that's good. Put that on the poster. <laughs> Psychopaths eating cereal. Get out. I like it. Is that a Meant spoiler? To. Not really. Okay. No, I mean, you know, whatever. I think the trailer pretty much points out that like the white people are the villains in this movie all right i don't think it's much okay. surprise. so whatever and honestly people who listen to movie podcasts by this time they've probably already seen get out it's been out for a whole weekend whatever i just don't want you yet. yelling at me yeah i'll just oh i'll go this and edit, just go and edit out. out yeah <laughs> don't be a boop 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 like, <laughs> actually just... <laughs> that would be kind of funny i think you should do that Ugh, that means a lot of editing in bed tonight um all right so um now we're on to our film education which has nothing to do with get out but last week we had our pop culture case study award show so we decided to take a look at a, a previous academy award winner for best picture um and also we picked west side story because i think this is the movie that it's happened the most times where i've been like you've seen west side story no i haven't what how have you not seen? I think this has happened like ten times. I think in our I think only like second place to this would be Rent. Yeah, yeah, but that's. I mean, this is this is much more of a classic. You need to see Rent, which is something that was important for me, especially as a high school. student. Well, I think it's also shocking for you because I watch things like Singing in the Rain. Right. Yeah. And this is like, <laughs> I mean, granted, different, a little bit of a different time period, but like this falls into that classic movie musical. Like you've seen the that. King and I. You've seen My Fair Lady, yeah. The King and I. How did you miss? Okay, how did you miss? West Side Story, how did this happen when you watched all those others? I think it turned into that thing that happens to you where there were so many people talking about it mm. that I just did not want to watch it. Expectations too high and everyone's yeah. too excited. Sure. I and, and I think it was also a period of like when it became on my radar, because obviously made before I was ever born. Yes. Um, I was sick of the Romeo and Juliet stick. Mm-hmm. And, I was, and that's what people always say is like, oh, it's Romeo and Juliet, but modern. And I'm like... Modern-ish. <laughs> 1960s. And, yeah, and I think I think the first time I heard about it was like when that Romeo and Juliet with uh, DiCaprio came out. Oh, and sure, I was sure. like Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, good for John Leguizamo. I would say watch it just for no. John yeah, like he's amazing in it. Is one of my favorite roles for him. And but, the guy who plays Merc- Mercutio is also amazing. Right. That, like so. there's there's things to enjoy about it, but it was sure. it was that moment of being oversaturated. I'm like I'm not because right. that's because that's when it, people like, like, start talking about it for me. <laughs> Okay. I'm like, meh. 
So, you have now watched two and a half hours of West Side Story. So, yes. uh, what did you think of West Side Story? I liked it for the most part. Okay. You say for the most part. What didn't you like about it? Um, I think there wound up being a lot of lulls for me. Okay. Like, was there certain storylines, certain plot lines that were lulls in particular, or just like random parts of the movie? I feel like it was like for most of the scenes when they're focusing on the jets, but they're not singing. Hmm. It's okay. like just like why? I don't care. Right. Like, yeah, I think for me, like just to defend it a little bit, I think the reason it's focused so much on them for so much of the movie is that. I think the movie is designed to make you feel bad when the kind of rape scene happens. Because I think up until then, like, you're firmly on the Jets' side. Because right. you're following them throughout the movie. I mean, you like you like Anita, you like Maria, but most of the guys, like, you don't like Chino. Right. You don't like Bernardo. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, uh, the Jets are kind of awful, too. All like, right. they're playing a part in this. So then when that switch happens, right. it's more powerful. I would... But that switch doesn't happen until, like... Two, Two hours, hours and in. 15 minutes into the movie. Yeah, they really, it really builds, for sure. So that's, that was kind of wearing okay. thin on me. Sure. Um, so what did you like about it? You said for the most part. I liked it. most of the musical score. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously I've heard most of these songs, so I right. already knew, but it was it was. Glad nice you didn't have the to... hot take of like, the music in West Side Story sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on guys, <laughs> don't be that guy. <laughs> No, yeah, there, there, and the, and because there were songs that I hadn't heard because they weren't like the most popular ones, like I feel pretty, you know, right, um, right. like there's there was one with the Jets that I really enjoyed. Do you remember which one it was? Like, because my favorite is the first song, the like when you're a jet, you're a jet, like that's the one. That I like that one, no, but it was towards the middle. Okay, I was probably gone for that. So yeah, a little behind the scenes, uh, we started watching it. Yesterday, watched the first hour. And then I started falling asleep underneath my heated blanket. Right. And then I had to go run errands for Brits while she finished it. So I came back, I think at the rape scene. It's where did, I watched yeah. it. Like, oh, God, I forgot about this part. This is horrible. Yeah, yeah. it would have been nice if you had warned me, but that's cool. It's oh, fine. there was also that, uh, that one of my other favorite numbers is the, like, I can't remember the name of the song, but essentially telling everybody to play it cool. Like, be cool, boy. Like, I really like that song, too. That's another Jets-focused one, because one of the characters, Action, who's really aggressive, wants to go fight, and he's telling that, him, like, you gotta calm down. That might be the one I'm thinking of. I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, I'm a, there was a lot of songs, that I, and I was not prepared for that either. Like, I know it was a musical, but it just felt like it's there like was... It's like a musical. Like, yeah. capital M. It's not like, oh, we're gonna have dialogue, and then we're gonna sing. It's like, right. no, we're gonna sing our dialogue. Right, yeah. Yeah. Did you have, like, a favorite character? Probably Anita. Anita. Anita's pretty great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, cause it's just, I mean, it's, it's for me, it was, it was kind I mean, of very Rita similar Moreno, to, like, um, she's fucking amazing. To Rizzo. Oh yeah. I could see that. So that, for I sure. think, I think that's why I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have like a particular number that she did that you really liked? Like, did you like the, uh, uh, America song? Like right where we ended the first viewing? Cause that's like usually Is that her when big she's getting number. ready for the date? Oh, no, no. Uh, it's when, like, it's like the whole group number where everyone's talking about Puerto Rico versus the United States. Oh, like, wait, wait. Like there. Yeah, okay, now I got the tune in my head. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one, but I also like the scene of her, like, getting ready for It's for like the almost date. like a sultry, yeah. like, dark. Of course you would like it. it like... <laughs> <laughs> sultry, dark, oh. Uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of something that, oh, what's her name? Your, like, favorite singer uh, would sing. Um, the one who sang, like, I Want to Be Evil. Yeah, Eartha Kit. Eartha Kit. It sounds like it feels like an Eartha Kit type number. Yeah. So that doesn't surprise me that that's that's your favorite. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, anything else you liked or or disliked about it? 
we kind of talked about as we were watching it that it was really interesting to see like a lot of these singers weren't actually singing like they had you know people kind of uh they were lip syncing and kind of and and now if we did that like if if you found out that you know emma stone and ryan gosling didn't do their own singing you'd get like oh well, and yet people really... are complaining about their singing too. Right. So. But like in the 60s, and 50s, why... and 60s, this happened all the time. Right. And nobody cared. They were like, okay, that's fine. I think the one thing that's interesting is that the the singer who did Maria also did My Fair Lady. And unless you're really listening to the high notes, mm-hmm. you would not know that was the same singer. And she did the high notes for Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. Yeah. Same singer. And it's like, what? What a voice. Yeah. Like, it just makes you think like, if if this was happening now, they would probably just cast her. It was just interesting you know, to me like, that she can essentially change her singing voice like somebody would change an accent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of that, what did you think of, I mean, we kind of talked about it. it's a little weird to watch these old movies with kind of a modern sensibility because like now this would never happen because you have basically you have a bunch of like Greek people and Russian people playing Puerto Ricans. So if that were to happen now, I'd be like, ooh, that's not really cool. Yeah, that's like, like close I at one to, point that's like actually, face, like, yeah, that's, that's what I asked yeah. Dave. I'm like, is that guy in a brown face? Or is it just the coloring <laughs> of the movie? Like, I don't want to be that guy, but I feel like this is not, yeah. not actually Puerto Rican. So was that it something, wasn't. as you watched it, were you able to kind of get past that? Or did it bug you as you were watching it? No, it bugged me. Yeah. Yeah, it bugged me. Like, I because... I think I think when it was just like an inkling of a feeling, I could sort of ignore it, and then there would be moments where I was like, "Oh wait, no, that doesn't jive." But then, as soon as like you confirmed it for me, I'm like, "Well, now I'm just pissed." <laughs> I should have just not told you. I don't know. <laughs> no, IMDb is down. I because, don't know what to tell because you. <laughs> I kept like asking about every character. I'm like, "Well, is that person Puerto Rican? What about them? What about, what about that them? one? Like, nope, just Rita Moreno. That's it. She's yeah. the only Puerto Rican involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. For you, like, you know, because this is a Romeo and Juliet story, does the romance work for you? Does Tony and Maria work for you? Did their um did their kind of interactions that they have it did they have it? Did that work? Um yes. Though in the back of my mind, and you're gonna I was thinking of like Frozen. Okay. With the whole like, you can't marry someone you just met. Yeah. Yep. That's kinda how I felt. I feel like with the actual Romeo and Juliet, there was, like, some drawn-out, like, interactions where this was literally, like, this all happened in, like, a two-day span. Yeah, but I think it's almost worse than Romeo and Juliet because Romeo's character has just fallen in and out of love with another character, mm. like, the day before, and then he meets Juliet, and he's, and she's the one who's kind of cool and kind of like, okay, let's calm down, whereas right. he's like, no, marry me now, I just met you, but you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah. You're even more beautiful than Rosalind, who I just dumped last week you know like, right so at least in this it's kind of it you know they kind of work together they're on the same no, yeah, page yeah it's i mean there's that but it was still kind of like ooh, like the whole scene where they do the like getting married oh like yes. where they fantasize about it i was just like well, i don't <laughs> i don't get it so as we were watching that that kind of pseudo rape scene that i walked in on you said something like oh so that's how they're going to do the romeo and juliet thing um, with like the confusion about whether she's dead or not. So how did right. you think that was handled? Did that work for you? No, I think that worked really well. Though I was half expecting her to shoot herself. So I think I was kind of, mm. like I didn't know how I feel about that. About her living through this? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Because if somebody's going to compare it to Romeo, like yes, it was very similar to Romeo and Juliet, but then I was expecting both of them to be dead at the end of this. Right. So. Yeah. I think in some ways it's like it can be a little more powerful because like everyone has to like now after this, every time they look at her, they're going to think about what happened. 
Right. You know, instead of like, oh, they're both buried and dead in the ground, so we don't, we can put this out of our minds now. I think it makes for like a more lasting, where in this case, you don't have to have the Romeo and Juliet thing where the prince comes down and says like, I hope you learned your lesson. Never do this again. Like you didn't really have that here. Right. You know, because they kind of run their own lives. And I liked, I also really like the character of Doc, the guy who owned the store. He's one of my favorite characters in the, in the show. Like I think yeah. he really, he's the only adult who, who gives a shit. Yeah. You know, rather than the, the cops and everything Yeah, else. the cops, the, the amount of racism out of the cops was uh, something special. It was perfect for the 50s and 60s, right? Yeah, I no, mean, true. And perfect for now, frankly. Like, not that much has changed. So, speaking of the cops, I think, for me, um, the number that it, I think shows up most when people talk about this, for whatever reason, is Officer Krupke. Um, so, what did you think of that number? The whole, like, we're mentally disturbed, we're, you know. There was actually a moment in that where I keep... Meaning to ask you what the hell the uh, social disease meant. That's just, I think that's just their way of saying, like, they can't help it. That's the way they are. Uh, like, I wasn't sure. Because that's the way they're thought. I, don't I wasn't think it's sure a real if that thing. was like, like a terminology back in the day because they keep talking about, be. like, talking to a therapist. I mean, I'm old, but I was <laughs> not around 1961. No, but you're going to school <laughs> and obviously you guys talk about how ethics has changed and yes, you talk about definitely. how terminologies have changed. For so sure. I didn't know if it was a no, thing. That's, that's, social disease has never come up, but I'm sure it was probably, I mean, it, it would make sense to me if that was a, a common term, you mm. know, because it showed up in the song kind of more than once. Right. Yeah. Um, were there any numbers in particular you didn't like, like that you were just like, oh, I hate this, make this song end? Like, is there a weak link for you? I don't think so. No? no. Nice. Though there were some of them I kind of tuned out because I would drop a rhinestone and start cussing, <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I remember when I first watched it as a kid, it's like, I think it's easy to make fun of. Like when you have like knife fights when people are doing like ballet moves and all this kind of stuff. So did you have any of those moments where, where you're like, oh, this pulls me out of it because it's so No, actually, I like the dancing. Oh, good. good. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um, so, as we always talk about, uh, is this a great movie? Sure. Sure. Okay. Where does it rank in like great musicals? Like, do, would you put it above uh, The King and I? Would you put it above Singing in the Rain? No. Is it close to them? It would like if we're gonna go one through three, that one's at my lowest. Okay. So, it's but there. is there like a big gap between two and three, or is it like kind of near the same level for you? Probably near the same level. Okay, that's pretty high praise coming from you. That's pretty big. All right, um, so... I don't appreciate that tone. No, I'm just saying, that just means you really, really like Singing in the Rain and King and I. That's so for true. anything to be close to that level is, like, pretty good. Yeah, I think, the, I think the only reason why it's not, like, ranking even with them is because there was, there was something off about it for me that did not connect me with most of the characters. Mm, okay. Like, maybe they were just too much of, like, kind of musical or old story st stereotypes and you weren't connecting with them like on this deeper level yeah maybe i'm not sure hmm. okay um so what do you think like we we usually ask i usually ask this question because you say it's not great um but we kind of talk about how like other people see this as great so if do you think you can boil it down to one or two things that like make this great is it the musical numbers is it the acting is it the the kind of set construction. What is it about it? Do you think that grabs people? Uh, well, first off, people are suckers for like romantic forbidden mm -hmm. love. Suckers for a love story. Sure. Yeah, so I think that's a big part of it. I if if the dance numbers are not pulling people in, they should be because there's not many musicals that do large scale numbers like that with males. 
Yeah, like and I, they were technically on point. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> On point. Yeah, nice. I also really like the the mambo scene. Like I think that the kind of like yeah. the dance they all go to. Like, and I I also like I think honestly one of my favorite scenes in movie history is when Tony meets Maria and like everything gets fuzzy. Yes, and you just that was that was just, really really cool. Yeah. I, um, especially for the 1960s. Yeah. it's like you don't have any of the tricks of the trade that we have now, and it was like that's really cool because it it really captures that feeling of when you see someone you're immediately attracted to them. Where like everything else just kind of fades away for half a second. You're like, wow, who is that? And I thought, and that's a really hard thing to capture, especially in a way that doesn't distract the viewer and do like a lot of weird camera tricks and camera zooms. Right. So yeah, I really, I really love that moment. And I like that when they did that though, like there was still like the dancers in the background you were still aware of and that they right. were dancing slower. Life to do this. was happening, yeah. but this is important. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, all right. The the last question I have is: Do you, have you seen any movies after this that you feel like you know you feel like kind of pull from this? Are there movie musicals that are that are like this, or is this kind of a lost art at this point? Like you know, you just saw La La Land. This yeah, year, I was gonna say you? like La La Land. I feel like pulled some things from here. Um, mm-hmm. there was a specific thing scene that I was trying to remember, but I can't now because my brain's too fuzzy at this okay. late. Um, but there was something that was specifically like I saw in West Side Story and I was like, oh, La La Land did something similar mm. to that. Okay, cool. But, so we're yeah. actually, that's cool. Kind of, kind of, I mean, obviously you can't remember the scene cause it's late at night, but it's nice I'm that so you, you can see like the, the thorough lines, especially on Oscar night. Let me go to bed. Not yet. We're not done yet. Um, so any last words about West Side Story before we move on? Would you recommend it to the like five people in the world left that haven't seen it? That's rude. Most people have seen West Side Story. It is a classic. Whatever. <laughs> Would you recommend it? Sure. Sure. Okay, good. Sure. All right. So now we're going to move on to the three movies being released this week. So the first movie uh, you'll be a big fan of. We aren't covering it on the show, which I know will make you very, very sad. Uh, but it's called The Last Word, uh, starring Shirley MacLaine and Amanda, uh, Amanda Seyfried? 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 Yes. I don't know. Second one. Yeah, the one who was in Mean Girls and uh, that, that movie with Megan Fox. What was that movie called? That movie was called Jennifer's Body. That's the name of that movie. Ah. Uh, All right. So what did you think of the trailer for The Last Word? Uh, I can't wait to watch this, honestly, because... It's just because you like old broads, huh? I do. I do like old broads. <laughs> um, I just also like the premise of the story. Okay. You know, like... So why don't you tell us the premise? It's, I didn't go into it. Oh. Uh, well, because it's the whole idea of uh, Shirley MacLaine's character is uh, wanting her obituary written before she dies. That way she can okay it. Mm-hmm. Like she wants it to say what she wants it to say kind right. of thing. And she doesn't want it to be left up to somebody else. And uh, the Amanda character. We'll go with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's the writer who is tasked with this and she just can't find anybody to say anything nice. Right. Which then opens up the other character's eyes to be like, I like, I want to make an impact on someone's life that's positive. So. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think this looks good. I, I doubt, I doubt for me, I doubt it'll be like amazing. But like, I think movies like this, these kind of like, you know, this is going to have a relatively feel good message and ending. And I think movies like that need to happen. I mean, I'm sure it's you know, it's still pretty dark because right. you're talking about writing your own obituary, like thinking about death a lot. Um, but you know well, you these two are going to connect. No. Oh. No. Have you written your obituary? 
Not yet. Not yet. Okay, it's that next week. You doing that next week? Maybe. Okay. Maybe maybe I'll do it tomorrow morning. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um so so yeah, this movie looks good. It looks enjoyable. Like it, it looks like one of those movies that I doubt I would watch over and over again, but like it's it'll be like a good 2 hours and you'll feel good walking out of the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, the next movie, uh I'm sure will be a classic. Uh is called The Shack. Um, a grieving man receives a mysterious personal inv invitation to meet with God at a place called The Shack. Um, so this stars Sam Worthington and uh, Octavia Spencer as God, um, which, which apparently... Which is the only good part about this. Yeah, and, like, it didn't even occur... So we saw this trailer, and I was like, well, that looks like a piece of shit. Like, that looks terrible. Yeah. I have no interest in that. And then it, like, honestly took me by surprise that, like, all these groups were all upset that they made God a black woman. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that would piss people off. But it didn't even, like, as I was watching the trailer, never occurred to me no. that, like, that would be an issue. I was yeah. like, Octavia Spencer is God? That sounds pretty good. Right. You know, if there's a God and I go up there and it's Octavia Spencer, I'd be like, this is kind of awesome. You're great. Yeah, but, but even with her in that role, it still doesn't make me want to watch this movie. So what is it about the trailer that makes you not want to watch the movie? Looks like frou-frou bullshit. Okay, what does that mean? Also stars Tim McGraw, so high quality there. I'm sure he'll be on the soundtrack. I wish you guys could see the glare I just <laughs> shot him. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've been having to do my own grieving so much lately. Mm, you're like not interested in seeing a movie about grief? Well, not only that, but like, fuck your flowers. Like your flowers. Well, because a trailer is like this whole like huge thing like in the oh, garden, right. and I'm like, no, like that's like to me like if somebody is grieving and meets someone to talk about the like the existential parts of life, mm -hmm. you're not gonna be in a sunny garden, right? And honestly, if we're gonna watch a movie about grief, I'm just gonna sit you down and we'll watch Manchester by the Sea because that's a movie about grief. And oh, actually, I think hate me. no, it's a, <laughs> one. It's a really good movie, and two. I hope you don't take this as an insult because it's not. But you grieve more like a man than you do like a woman. I'm not sure what that means. It means you hold more inside. And it's more of a silent process rather than this like over the top, like kind of weeping process that you will see in women in film when, oh. when you go to a funeral. You know, yeah. like you don't usually see the men no, yeah, well up. You, and, you see the women like have right. the breakdowns across the and casket. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think Manchester by the Sea is like a really good examination of kind of masculine grief and how that's dealt with. So I right. think, I think you might actually like it, but yeah, the shack, like, I don't even know what to say about it. Cause it just, you know, they went over the top with a lot of the special effects for heaven or whatever mm -hmm. at the shack. And actually I remember seeing the trailer in the first part of the trailer. I was like, this looks really kind of interesting. Cause right. like, I think like his daughter Mm -hmm. Is his daughter? Yeah, his daughter is kidnapped and taken by someone, and he keeps trying to find her. And it looked like, yeah, oh, this so will the, be an interesting mystery. Yeah, so the yeah, the first half looked like a detective thriller right. kind of thing, and then it was like, and, and then sudden, he went and saw God. Right? What? And then like the the break screech and like, whoa, what? <laughs> it, How did we get to the, the trailer? Felt like it was for two different movies. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so not super excited about seeing the shack. Nope, nope, nope. Love so, shack. If the whole movie was that, I would go see it. It was you just that song over and over <laughs> again. Yes, you singing Love Shack. I would go see that. Uh, but the movie we are actually covering this week is Logan, uh, which is, of course, part of the X-Men franchise. It's written and directed by James Mangold, who also directed the last Wolverine movie, 
the Wolverine, uh, which I actually really liked. Like I think, yeah, the, I like that. I one. think the third act, the ending, got a little ridiculous yeah. when we went over the top with like the robots and the giant swords, and, and then getting like, the bone claws. Yeah, uh, again. Mm, yeah, can that you was, just stop reminding I, me those? Are I forgot thing. about that. Oh God, now the end of that movie sucks even more. Yeah, that, well, Ugh, you're welcome. Horrible. Um, so I have a little bit of faith that this this guy can do this. It's actually getting really good. Uh, early reviews um and it's actually a rated r wolverine movie for the first as time as they should be yeah they all should be um they should be like nc-17 <laughs> yes uh and it says in the near future a weary logan cares for an ailing professor x in a hideout on the mexican border but his attempts to hide from the world and his legacy are upended when a young mutant arrives being pursued by dark forces so what did you think of the trailer for logan Okay, well, the fr- I'm going to have to break this up because it's two different trailers, right? Yes. So the yes. first trailer happened, and I was like, all right, I'm going to withhold judgment. <laughs> like, I really don't know how I feel about this. I Like, just, ugh, this is not, like, I wanted old man Logan. God damn it. Mm-hmm. And then the second trailer we just watched recently, mm-hmm. and that makes me a little more excited, and I think it's because of the tiny little anger ball that wants to kill everything. Yeah, yeah. I identify right. I with her. Like that, yeah. So... <laughs> So now I'm a little more no. excited. <laughs> yeah. No. Not okay is what he yeah. says. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, this is one of those movies where I I can't tell you why, but I got a good feeling about this. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing in the trailers necessarily that I'm like, oh my god, that's gonna be so amazing. But it just, you know, it's a rated R Wolverine movie, it's directed by James Mangold. You know, Hugh Jackman is re- he's been in the press and been really happy about about this movie, which we haven't seen from him in a while. Like he's usually positive, but he's like right. very like, no, this is gonna be great. It's gonna be right. really fun and great to watch. So so I'm excited for it. And, you know, it's it'll be nice to have an X Men movie that's not, you know, all team and all explosions and all over the top stuff where you, and you kinda have to do that I when you have Cyclops they, and Jean Grey. Yeah, and, I kinda wish they did some more origin stories or like some arcs that um that like happened that are separate. Yeah, like they, you know, Storm going back to the planes. Right. And like her backstory, like, well, not her backstory, but like it's like her having to go and deal with her son. Right. Would be a really compelling movie. Right. If they did it right. Yeah. With not Halle Berry. Well, she's, yeah, she's done with the franchise, I think. I don't think Halle Berry's coming back. Thank goodness for that, because she's not a good Storm. The the person that I want to be Storm, I can't say her name. What was she, she in? 12 Years a Slave. Oh, Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah. Oh, she'd be awesome. Right. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if she'd be willing to do it. I mean, she's in a Star Wars movie, so maybe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but that would be a really cool casting choice because I think she's also just a really excellent actress. Yeah, like, you're welcome I, for that. Yeah. If it happens, then I'll I'm thank just... you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but this, you know, it'll be, like I said, it'll be nice to see an X-Men movie that won't be, like, kind of overpowered with... With like, oh, we have to make these references. We have to, we have to tie all these things in. We have to have things for the fans. Like this is kind of a story that is like, yeah, Old Man Logan. That is a comic book thread that is out there, but this is not that right at all. He is an old man version of Logan, and that's right. kind of where the comparisons end. So I'm excited to kind of see where this goes, and it'll be nice to see Hugh Jackman get to act a little bit as Wolverine. Because like yes, and not just grunting, yeah, not people. just grunting. And when you're kind of like have all these, all these different group dynamics, like there's not a lot you can do. There's not a lot of directions, and this gives yeah, him room. I think I think that's been one of my big complaints with that character is like they're not showing the the many sides of him, right? Which is upsetting because he has more lines and more screen time than any X Man in any of these movies, but it's all like connected with the team, so he doesn't get you yeah. don't get to see those sides. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and actually, the movie we're covering is a Western. We're covering Shane because the director, James Mangold, again, has said that that's one of the movies he used as as kind of inspiration for the look and style of this movie. So I don't this... think Hugh Jackman threatened anybody with a brick. Oh, yes. Uh, you'll hear about that uh, on our next episode, actually. We will talk about uh, the, the actor who plays Shane threatening children with bricks. So look forward to that. That's good times. Uh, and actually, that was something that got me a little more excited about this movie, too, because this... Because of child no, abuse? No, because, <laughs> because of the Western kind of archetype. Oh, and that really makes sense with right. Logan. Like, he is very much that gruff outsider who does the right thing eventually, but he does it in a way that he's not your prototypical hero. Right. So that should be Anti-hero. Yes, definitely. Um, any Any last words about Logan or anything else before we sign off? No, I want to go to bed. You want to go to bed. Okay. Uh, Like I said, next time uh, we will be taking a look at Shane uh, to match up with Logan. And until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. Hey everybody, now in these new release episodes I hardly ever have a little outro, but we are today because I'm going to explain to you what's going to come next. If you take a look at your player, you'll probably notice that there's some time left, more than usual, for the end of the episode. That's because, I don't know if this is a treat or not, but I'm offering it to you. There will, of course, be a couple outtakes, but there's also going to be a little bit of kind of behind the scenes of how podcast episodes come together and i joked on twitter about mike punishing me for not covering split so you're gonna hear what my punishment was so stay tuned for that this female actress trying to make a living like do we do we refuse to watch movies with clint howard in them no like because he's a fucking character actor and it's fine yeah they certainly don't i'm sure they'd be perfectly fine with more clint yeah (laughs) The full Howard. That's, that's oh, next. Jesus. <laughs> that? I don't know. I don't think he's that gay. I didn't see he's that gay. gay enough. What, do you give a hand job? Uh. I was paying to see gay. Where is it? No anal? I, I mean, why, why am I here? <laughs> give me the full Howard or nothing. Hey, I finally saw the trailer for uh, the Heigl movie. And you, sir, are an idiot. That is gold. Like, I saw that and I'm like... I unlike Hiro, I could do twelve pages on there. <laughs> I could. There's so much to uh, unpack here. I'm like, this is phenomenal. I don't understand it. So I don't bad. understand. That is a bad. big, fat hanging curveball, and I just <laughs> see. I think what this, no, 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 what this is, Mike. What this is, Dawson. Oh is, my god. <laughs> this is is you don't want to figure out a way to do it on your own show. So you're, but you want to see it I'm, because I'm it's a guilty it. pleasure. I'm, I'm thinking it around in my head. The problem is uh, Catherine Heigl's not worked enough because the theme I came up with was No, no, she's worked too much. Let's be real. Because movies? I don't... Too much. She's been in a movie. It's too much. Not enough of my my needs. What is it? Uh, What has she been in? Uh, uh, That Seth Rogen movie, right? That's the only one I've seen. Knocked up. I've not seen the other ones. Um, I I know she's been in like a couple romantic comedies. Most of them are. Um, Yeah. Yeah, my the theme I had in mind was everyone hates Heigl. <laughs> it's a good theme. I'm, it's <laughs> it's <not> solid. <laughs> solid. But I can't I can't find the appropriate movies to clearly in this film she's meant to be hated and feared. Yes. Uh not up with That's the yeah. hardest part to to believe. It's the feared. Like <laughs> she looks like <laughs> if she lived <laughs> in a windy city, she would just disappear. Bye. It's like they're trying to play up her um, this like ice queen thing that Nicole Kidman's really good at, right? But like she's... you're not you're not Nicole Kidman, you're not Emily Blunt, 
You know, this isn't going to work. Because I actually want to. I want to talk about this so much. <laughs> want seven dresses? The things, I could do that? The things you get <laughs> excited about. It's fucking amazing. Well, I have, I have an opening on my schedule that week. There's nothing coming out. There you go. Hey, I just discovered 27 dresses is on Max Go, which I have. The fuck is Max Go? <clears throat> it's really Jesus. annoying. It's uh, Cinemax, which I get through the, the DirecTV thing, oh, like okay. their, their introductory offer or whatever. So I'm, I'm sort of like hesitant to make any changes because I don't want to lose that like very cheap pricing. Right. So I have Cinemax and I'm like, cool, I watched Reindeer Games on Cinemax Go. <laughs> I've, wa- I've watched like at least one movie a month on Cinemax, but it always annoys me because they don't have an app for the Apple TV. Ugh. They just refuse to make one, so I you have that. to airplay it from your iPad or phone. I feel the same way about uh, Amazon Prime. Like, gotta the only thing stream it. that I, I like is that everything on there is downloadable. I like that if it's that's on true. Amazon Prime, I can go ahead and put it on my tablet, my yeah, phone, I can travel that's a good point. with it. Um, but yeah, you can't do it. It's like HBO Max. That's why I went ahead and watched Reindeer Games because I was like, well, I don't know if I'll have it. And now fucking 27 Dress is going to haunt me on this trip. Am I going to have Wi-Fi for <laughs> Catherine Heigl? <laughs> what the fuck is this? What did you just send me? I found me? it. I found it. I found the movie. 5%. 5% Fuck it. It's kinda, on Amazon Video. I kind of want to be on that show. <laughs> You can be on, sir. You can be the guest. All right, guest let's do honor. it. Let's do it. I won't do it on my show. I'm going to throw you under the bus saying that you weren't man enough to do That's fine. the Everybody Hates Michael episode. <laughs> you weren't man enough to hate a woman. I I kind of want to bring on Kristen Lopez because it's funny. She she was saying I really want to do an article uh, that was talking about Mel Gibson and Catherine Heigl. As far as Mel Gibson, everyone sort of is the narrative is rooting for his comeback to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's made good. And then you have Catherine Heigl, who, you know, I think the worst thing you can say about her is that she's difficult to work with or she's like an ass. Yeah, she's not a pain in any, the ass. That's it. She's not said anything racist. She's not like physically harmed anyone. And yet, if you bring her up, it's like, oh, this fucking bitch again. <laughs> like she's back. And I was like, you know what? There's something to that. There's yeah. a, that's, okay, I don't know. So, just thinking out loud here, how much do you think the same would be true if Mel Gibson was not a director who had won awards? Like there, I think there's, a, there's that kind of auteur thing where we're like, but he's a creator where we don't see actors, unless you count like Daniel Day Lewis, like we don't see actors or actresses as creators. Whereas we see these directors. So they're replaceable. Right. You can be like, yeah. they're annoying. Get rid of them. Exactly. Someone else Especially yeah, honestly, fair. if you're like a C-level actress, like she is. That's the, a fair point. The biggest Malcolm thing she ever back. did was fucking Grey's Anatomy. Like that's yeah, and he didn't come back with the beaver. He didn't come back and just playing right. a part. Right. It's like he had to and you know, uh, to be fair to him with Hacksaw Ridge, I believe he he's pretty much got the financing together with multiple sources, like international Yeah, it wasn't it's like not a like like twentieth century Fox went, here's ten million dollars, here's you know, here's your hundred million dollar budget. Like he had to work for it. And like, is he a terrible person? Probably. But I do have a certain amount of respect for someone who is working that hard to get himself back to that position. Because I'm sure he's fucking rich as shit and could just fade off into the sunset and live a very happy life and not have to deal with this bullshit. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. I I don't know. Let's see. How do I want to watch this? Well, it's it's not saying. Oh, that's my bad. It's not on Amazon. It's on Stars, which you can get through Amazon. Ah, uh, gotcha. 
Or a torrent, probably. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. That's the problem with the movies like this. Like, uh... I've never heard of it. It's got Patrick Wilson, but I don't know. Is that who that was, was in that picture? For a yeah, second, I thought it was Will Arnett. Face. I thought it was that, Will that, Arnett. That stupid <laughs> mugging face. Uh, I don't know. I was looking for one where she's like the uh, she's like the jilted woman because uh, twenty seven dresses I'd heard of. That's when she was heard of that on the one rise. For sure, yeah. So I guess our theme will be when she was like an up and comer, and then this is where the level she's been at. She's uh, sunk that, too. Yeah, it's... I've never heard of this. Um, Jesus. But, you know what? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna download it. I'm gonna find it. <laughs> Home sweet hell. Oh my god. 22 on Metacritic. Nice. I'm taking a picture so I can share it on Twitter. Like, here's what Patreon supports. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking idiots. Don't give me money. I don't want medium quality. I want the high quality download, please. <laughs> give me that yes, 1080p want... of that, please. It, it just ask me if I want notifications for similar content. Why, no, yes, I do. no. Yes, I hear. Yes, Dave. <laughs> You're going to regret that. <laughs> I actually have a lot of fun with these episodes. That's, and these are the type of episodes I can't have like Shane or Mater on because there's like, this Stupid, is terrible. Why did dumb. you do it? Yeah. Because it's terrible. <laughs> like, what did sometimes you think was happening? Well, sometimes you just want to make a fun podcast. Yeah, just not a fun everything episode. has to be fucking Raging Bull. Like, it's just like. No. Jesus. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> It's also 98 minutes. Oh, my God. Oh, I love it. Gorgeous. That's the best. <laughs> that might be about 10 minutes too long. <laughs> this you know, be... the, uh, Shane sent me a message. The Melanie Linsky one, I think, is the first time ever on the podcast. She's in three movies and three we chose that fit the theme are all 90 minutes right around that area. I was like, man, this is great. I wish this was every episode. So I'm slowly trying to convince Britt to just move to Lexington. <laughs> Mom asked me about that again. She's like, we gotta figure out a way for Dave to get here. We gotta figure out something for him. Uh, and she was like, I wonder who I know in that field. I wonder what strings I can pull and all this. I'm like, well, let's talk with Dave. Yeah, that's fine. I got no problem with. It. I'll, I'll accept strings. That's fine. I officially have Unforgettable on my schedule. <laughs> Guest Dave for punishment. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm putting you as my co-host. No guest anymore. You're just <laughs> no. You'll be co-host for that one because I'm going to mention that I'm going to do what you were afraid to do on your show. I feel like this is punishment for Split. It you know it is because both of them in Split end up being I guess well received. But I'm like it looks so stupid. We've got to do this. I'm going to get my stupid somewhere. I'm going to I'm going to get that on a podcast. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm a part of that. Yeah. 